Amen. It is well with my soul because of him. Amen. First Corinthians chapter one. Find your way to verse 17. First Corinthians 1.17, if you found your place, let's stand in honor of reading God's word. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being Saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are being, who are the called, both the Jews and the Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. But consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. And the base things of the world and despised God has chosen. The, the things that are not so that they may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. But by this doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God and the righteousness and the sanctification and the redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boast, boast in the Lord. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your blessed word. Use it for your glory and our benefit this day. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The wisdom of God. Our minds cannot comprehend this wisdom. This wisdom goes beyond human thinking. Yes, mankind has shown some great intelligence. 
but in no way could it ever compare to the wisdom of God. Yes, there's been great space technology. Man has walked on the moon, and the satellites that they're sending up are getting images of universes above a universe, basically. Just the heavens are on and on. And yes, we've came a long ways in medicine. And to even brain surgery can be done by a laser or something that I've been hearing about gamma rays uh, surgeries. And yes, men have came to the, the great intelligence in these things. But God created the moon. God created the universes. God created the brain. He knows every little cell of it all. Things that mankind has not even thought about, God already knows it. Because he is an all-wise, all-sufficient, all-knowing God. And he loves us. God, all-knowing, he knows your every fault, and he loves you. He knows every sin that we've ever committed, and he loves us. He demonstrated that love toward us by sending his son, Jesus, who lived a perfect, holy, righteous life so that he may be the spotless lamb of God so that he could be our substitute. God's word says the wages of sin is death. And he says, but I got a substitute for you. It's my holy son. And he will be put upon the cross of Calvary. And there he will die in your place. He will pay the debt that you owe and that I owe. And you will have eternal life if you believe. What wisdom? This morning, we will look at the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. Last week, we closed with this verse we started with today, verse 17, where Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. In this verse... There's a, it is a great introduction to the following verses. For Paul speaks of his calling. What is a calling? A calling is it that Jesus Christ sent him out. Sent him out to do something. And that's what Paul tells us in verse 17, what he was sent out to do. He says he wasn't sent out to baptize, even though he has baptized. 
he named the ones that we seen last week, uh, Gaius and Crispus, that he baptized in a family of Stephanus, Stephenson, I think it was. And we've seen those that he talked about baptized. He said, but even though uh, my calling is not really to baptize, I will do it. I think that's what we need to look at. Sometimes people say, well, I'm not going to do that because that just ain't my calling. Well, you can do some things besides your calling. Amen. You can do that what is good. You can serve the Lord in other ways besides just what he's called you to do. He's worthy. Amen. He's worthy to do everything that we possibly can do. Uh, I don't really feel like that God called me to uh, turn on the air and lights of the church. But however, I get to do it. And, you know, and, and there's so many things that needs to be done that we can do other things. But it is important. You can miss those things, but don't miss what you're called to do. You're saying, oh, wow, what am I called to do? Well, if you don't know your specific calling, I can tell each and every believer in this room this morning what you are called to do, and that is to share the gospel. That is to share the good news that you discovered, that you found in your life, and that you became a believer, and that you're saved, and that you're a child of God. Every child of God ought to brag on their father and his great wisdom. <clears throat> so his calling, that what he is to do, is to preach the gospel. The t preaching the gospel was the paramount of the most importance to Paul because he had put it in his heart. Christ sent him to preach the gospel. Paul says that I have baptized uh, and may baptize, but preaching the gospel. Then he goes on and says, but not in the cleverness of speech. I told you last week that I kind of like that. But I thought more about it this week. I don't think Paul's saying that he couldn't preach in the cleverness of speech. Because remember Saul, he was a Pharisee. He was trained. I believe that Paul was a very smart guy. And I believe that he could certainly preach with cleverness of speech. I'm reading a book by uh, Sinclair Ferguson. I have to keep my phone with the dictionary open to be able to understand what he's saying sometimes to look up these words. And... <clears throat> And I'm sure that Paul could have used those type of words, but he says, not in the cleverness of speech, because I want them to get the gospel plain. I want them to understand the gospel. I don't want them to walk away and go, wow, that dude is so smart. I want them to hear what Jesus did. And folks, we don't have to be, have cleverness in speech to tell others the gospel. To tell them the simple truth about God's Son coming here 
and being that substitute for us upon that cross so that if we'd believe that our sins would be paid and that when it's time to go home, we'll go home to be with Jesus. What a glorious truth. Paul did not speak in the cleverness of speech so that the cross would not be made void. He did not try to lure them with his cleverness. He just wanted them to open their eyes and take a good look at Jesus. If there was someone in this room today that did not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that's what I would plead. That's what I would beg is just to take a good look at Jesus. At his death, where he paid the price for you doing the will of the Father, he died. And he was put in a tomb, dead, not in a coma, but dead. And God raised him up. To give us victory. Victory over sin, over death, and over the grave. That's what he gave us. Other preachers have used this, but I'm going to go ahead and tag my name onto this. And I want you to know that if you read the obituaries, and one day you open the morning paper and it said Larry Linson died. That's fake news. I'll be more alive than ever because I'll be in the presence of my Lord. Because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm, I want to be used up by God before that happens. I want to I want to see people come to know Jesus and I want God to use me. I'm kind of selfish in that way and I want God to be glorified. But when he says it's time, it's time and it's on. Amen. All the hope that he's given us. Uh, he goes on, and we're going to jump ahead, and I'll come back to this next week because it'll be the first two verses next week. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he says, and, and when I come to you, brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, that's my ministry. There it is, plain and simple. I preach Christ and Christ crucified. That was it. Again, I believe Paul could have brought the wisdom of man into, to the podium, but he chose to bring the wisdom of God, and that is Christ crucified. Jesus died to pay the sin debt so that we may be for, forgiven. The gospel message says, look to the cross. Look to the cross. 
get your Bibles and go to where the crucifixion is and look. And, and there at that cross, if you think, hey, I've been too bad, I've done this, and I'm just so bad that there's no way that God will save me. Well, Jesus was between two thieves. Okay? And there were people shouting, said, oh, he said he was going to raise the, uh, the temple within three days, let him call himself down from that cross now. And they were mocking him and mocking him. And finally one of them said, you know, we deserve being here. But this man has did nothing wrong. That guy said, you know, I, I'm worthy of death. But he's not. And he called upon Jesus to remember him. And what did Jesus say? Today, just in a few hours, you will be with me in paradise. There at the last moment. I wouldn't encourage y'all, if, if there was someone here that's not saved, I wouldn't encourage you to wait to the last moment because I'm going to tell you something. It's a joy to live for Christ. I'm not telling you everything is wonderful and sweet and the world is easy on you. No, it's hard. Bad things still happen to Christians. But however, there's a hope that's within the Christian that gets him through the shadow of the valley of death. Verse 18 it says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He said to those who are perishing, it was foolishness. The word of the cross that we see here in verse 18, it is simply the gospel. The word of the cross is the gospel. The good news, it is in the word of the cross that our eyes are open and we see the wisdom of God by sending His Son to the cross to pay our sin debt and for our forgiveness and, and to be with Him in eternity. He has given that to us. We didn't earn it. He gave it to us. Foolishness to those who are perishing. Why is it foolishness to those who are perishing? Because their eyes, their mind, their heart are closed. They were looking for a different type Messiah. They were looking for a king to come and set them free from Roman bondage and do this for them and do that for them. And friends, there's some people that sit in church and maybe it's you that think that the, God's whole purpose is just to satisfy your every need. I want to share with you that he satisfied your main need. And that is by putting his son upon the cross. 
And if God had never do anything else for you, if you lived a life of misery, if you were struck down with illness and and couldn't walk and be bedridden, whatever worst scenario you could think of, for the rest of your time here on earth, but you knew that Jesus died for you, you are a rich, blessed person. If that was the only thing he's ever done for you, that would be enough. Of course, God is gracious and he gives us a lot more. But don't get hung up thinking that he's just your errand boy. (laughs) I came across a lady this week. If I had to guess her age, I would say that she was probably in her 80s. She had on a T-shirt. It had this boom box on it, and it said, Jesus is my jam. I really don't care for that kind of stuff. I hear some years ago it had Jesus as my homeboy. Now, he's my Lord. He's my Savior. We are to be in awe of him. What they could not open up to and reason it was foolishness to them is the cross of Christ was a place of shame. I mean, for us, it'd be kind of like the king of kings is going to take a lethal injection today or he's going to be put into the electric chair. That's what the cross was known for, is that way of death for the shameful. And so it was foolishness to them to think that the one who is supposed to be the Messiah would be going to the cross. And Paul quotes from Isaiah 29:14 in verse 19. He said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever. I will set aside. It is a given. It is given plain in the Bible. There, there, there are those who say the Bible is too hard to understand. This is what everyone needs to understand. That mankind without Jesus is lost. Judged, condemned, headed to hell. Because of their sin. And your little sin, as you might call it, counts for death. But those who know Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, sent by God, came through a virgin birth, being God's Son, who lived a holy life, went to the cross to die for sinful man, to pay the wages of their sin, and they follow Christ, obey Christ, bless God. They're saved. 
They know the gospel. They know the good news of Jesus Christ. In verse 20, Paul asks this question, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the, the wisdom of the world? True wisdom comes from this. It comes from absolute truth. Absolute truth. I only know one place you can find absolute truth, and that is the Word of God. That is the Bible. It's where we find absolute truth. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this in the eight, late 1800s. And I want, I'm going to read this quote to you from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And this is so relevant for today. But this is what he said. We shall not adjust the Bible to the age. But before we are done with it, by God's grace, we shall change the age to the Bible. When I heard that, I went, wow. There's churches today that's wanting to make themselves attractive and they wanting to get the people to come in. And, and so therefore, they're trying to change to make it more comfortable for the age. Some of your big TV screen preachers say that there's some things in this word that's just so offensive they would rather not mention it. Every page somehow probably offends me as a sinner. But it's good. It is the good word of God. We ought to digest it. We need to partake of it at every chance we get. We need to get some quiet time with God and let Him talk to us through His Word. My friends, that's how He reveals Himself to us. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That's it. And by the way, we'll be talking about the power of the Holy Spirit tonight if you'd like to come back at 5.30. But that's it. Yes, it's offensive. I need to be offended because I'm a sinner. You need to be offended because you're a sinner. I mean, listen, I got so many whippings when I was in school. I mean, that's back when teachers carried a paddle, Braden and Jet. And, and I'm telling you, if you cut up in school, I remember one time Coach McKenzie, uh, me and this other boy was cutting up in class. And Coach McKenzie, Jet, that man, he had a one by six, had a handle cut out in that thing. He would, we all kind of wore jeans back then, and he would make you touch your toes and get them blue jeans real tight when you bend over like that. And he would swing that board. Well, me and this boy, Mike Smith, was cutting up, and we came following the teacher thinking we was going to the principal's office, who didn't whip so hard. But she stopped at World History Classroom and she knocked on his door. 
and it scared your daddy half to death. He was in world history. And and Coach McKenzie called back in and said, Stan, bring my board. He was just a board toter. Uh, but anyhow, Mike and I got a true enough whooping. But we deserved it. You know what? Mike and I didn't do any more. We didn't cut up in Miss Poland's class anymore because all we could think about was Coach McKenzie. We came a lot better students. And God's Word wants to make us a lot better Christians. It says, yes, stop doing that. Love others. Love your enemy. Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through his wisdom did not come through its wisdom, the world through its wisdom, the world's wisdom, did not come to know God, but God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preach to save those who believe. What wisdom is there if it does not allow us to know God? What wisdom is there if it does not let us know how to have eternal life? What wisdom is there that not let us know about joy, peace, and love? Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33, he says, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. It's something like I was speaking of earlier, that in the world everybody is going to have trouble. The non-Christians and the Christians. But hey, we have peace in Christ Because why? Because he's overcome the world. And we're followers of Christ, and so therefore, we too will overcome the world. There's a promised land. We're in the wilderness. But we're headed to the promised land, and the promised land is heaven. And heaven is forever. And ever, that's another thing that our human minds cannot comprehend because everything that we look at has a time to it. There's a time to begin and there's a time to end. Heaven never ends. There's one day in heaven and it lasts forever. The terrifying thing is for those who are perishing, those who think this is foolishness, there's a place called hell. People don't like to hear about hell, but it's in God's word. Hell is offensive. Hell is a place where real people go. It's a real place where real people go. 
Church, I think we've gotten weakened on our doctrine of hell. Because if we really understood hell the way the Bible talks about hell, we would not want anyone to go. We would bang on their door and we would plead and we'd cry and we would beg God daily to save our loved ones that we would, would not want them to go to this eternal damnation. A place where there, there's, there's never no peace. There, there's never no joy. There's, there is not one drop of love in hell. It's torment all the time. And we don't understand the seriousness of hell because we say, well, I, I, I'm not going to talk to that person about the gospel because I just don't think you know, they would listen to me and they don't like me. And I... Listen, what is wrong with us? It's our commandment to share the gospel. To love people. We're not very loving if we don't share the gospel with them and, and tell them the dangers of hell, of not receiving the gospel. What the world considers the foolishness of preaching brings eternal life to those who believe. Romans 10. Turn your Bibles to Romans 10. Hold your place in Corinthians. We'll be back there. But turn your Bibles to Romans 10. Find your way to verse 13. It says, for, who, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, The Lord who has believed our report. So faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. It's a calling. And I know that maybe the preacher part there, I think it's okay for all Christians to preach the gospel. Two, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It says how beautiful the feet. Look, I'm a preacher, and there's no way I'd show y'all my feet because they're bad. But in taking the gospel to someone, that, that they carry me to take me to share the gospel. 
is not in flesh form, but spiritually, they're beautiful feet. When I'm doing that, and when you're doing that, there's great wisdom in God found in Christ to those who believe. Our message is not to be impacted with the wisdom of man and social concerns and the culture, the climate control of the world. This is, if I was going to speak politically up here to you today and tell you about uh, global warming and, and our culture and the so- society, I would tell you one thing. God is in control, not man. God is in control of all things. He is sovereign, and he is in control. I don't trust any of the studies, anything that goes around about all those issues. I trust God. You say, well, that's pretty simple-minded. Well, I guess so. But he's given me faith in him. And I know that God controls all things. He is all wise. Look to him. Our message is the word of the cross, for it is the wisdom of God. Verse 22 says, For indeed Jews ask for signs, Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. The Jews were looking for a king, as I said earlier, to bring freedom, uh, not a savior who would die a shameful death on a cross, uh, end up being a stumbling block to what they thought. They, They could not get around that, that the king would die on a cross. The Greeks, a dying savior was just plain foolish. However, we, we've been discussing the word of the cross as the, the wisdom of God, but the foolishness of those who are perishing. But verse 18 also said, let me read it again, the whole verse. It says, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, that's the believer, who are being saved, it is the power of of God. The wisdom of God in the Lord in the word of the cross reveals to us who are being saved by it is the power of God. What is the word of the cross? It is again the gospel. And Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So there are those Jews and there are those Greeks that took on the wisdom of God and found out that it was powerful. It was powerful to save Years ago, before I was a preacher, but loved sharing Christ, uh, serving in my church, and being a policeman, uh, some of the guys, would, they must already knew I was going to be a preacher before I did, because they would call me Rev. 
Uh, and that's just because I like to talk to them about Jesus. And I had no idea at the time that I'd actually be doing this one day and preaching. And, and, and this one guy, I told him if the Holy Spirit ever quit working on me, he would be right there in line because he, he would always point out my thoughts. And, and he called me Rev, and he would like to do it around a whole bunch of guys. And it was a Friday evening, and I was leaving the station. And this guy, he was around uh, something like what you'd call the SWAT team. <laughs> they were called the jump team. And, and uh, he just said, well, have a good weekend, Rev. And I said, okay, y'all have a good one. And I walked out, and I got in my car. And when I was backing out of my parking spot, he came running out there and uh, like there was an emergency or something, I stopped and I rode my window down, and he, he had to kind of squat just to get in my, my window to talk to me, and tears was coming down his face, and and he said, Larry, I, I need to apologize to you for just harassing you all the time and 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 calling you Rev, and I said, man, that, that don't bother me. And he said, well, be honest with you, I would I would like to be like you, and I went, what? And he said, you know, I, I would like to go to church. And I said, go. If you'd like to go, go. He said, no, you, you don't understand. I'm too bad. I said, we all are. But that was really in his heart that he couldn't go because he was too bad. This gospel is for the bad. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's the power of God that changes lives. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 says, For indeed he was crucified because of weakness, Yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him, yet we will live with him because of the power of God directed toward you. Yes, there's power in the blood. There's wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. By the very precious blood of Christ shed upon the cross, we are saved those who believe. Verse 24 and verse 25. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Always know that. Don't ever get too smart. And don't think you're mighty. Because God is smarter. And he's stronger. And may we be devoted to his wisdom and to his power. Verse 25, excuse me, 26 says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, nor many noble. Well, actually, Romans 3 says that there's no, there's not one that's good. Not one. We're all dependent upon Christ 
everyone. It doesn't matter if you was an Eagle Scout or whatever the equivalent is in the Girl Scouts and, and how good you've been and that you, you went to church nine months before you were born. You was raised in church and all you knew was church life. You were born a sinner in need of Christ. Desperately. Just as much as the most wicked person you can think of out there. Your goodness will not get you to heaven. It's Christ's goodness that gets you to heaven. So... Looking at this on a human level, the gospel was considered a foolish message and the apostles were deemed unsophisticated preachers. Their teaching were beneath the elite. Uh, they were, most of them were just thought of just old smelly fishermen. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things of the strong. And in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, Thus saith the Lord, Let not a wise man boast in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast in his strength, but let not a rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boast, boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Our boast is I'm a child of God. It didn't have nothing to do with me. He just set his love down on me. I couldn't earn it. There was no way. God chose me. He chose the believer. He chose those who believe. Verse 28, And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that they may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. It used to be the old saying, and when you got to the pearly gates of heaven, what would you say to St. Peter as a password to get in? It wouldn't be, I'm good. It'd be Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let it be known of Christians that our wisdom come from Christ. Verse 30 says, But by, this, by His doings you are in Christ. By the Father's doings you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, and the righteousness and the sanctification and the redemption. The, the wisdom of God has given 
these to who believe. What? It says, first of all, imputed righteousness. We, we discussed that a little bit earlier. Romans 4, 5 says, But to the one who does not work, but believes in him, believes in Christ, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited righteousness. That's imputed. It's credited to him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, y'all know that I love that. And it says that he, being God, who made him, being Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf so that we might have his righteousness. <laughs> oh, that gets me every time. God the Father, upon faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when he looks down on me, when he looks down on you as the believer, he no longer sees you or sees me as the sinner that we are. But he sees the imputed righteousness of Christ that covers us. He's given us righteousness. The second thing is sanctification from sin. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, we're not saved by works. We're saved for works. Redemption. Redemption by God. In the Ephesians 1.13, latter part B there, it tells us that the believers are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Sealed. Boom, God's child. In verse 14 said, Who is given a pledge, that's the Holy Spirit, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God, God's own possession. We're God's possession to the praise of His glory. I tell you folks, I would make a really good Pentecostal. Because <laughs> sometimes I really just want to shout. I want to shout and I just want to praise His holy name. Because I'm not worthy. You're going to still have to love me, but you're not worthy. Christ is worthy. In the Holy Spirit, when we come to put our faith in Christ, He seals us. Closing, verse 31, says that so that just as it is written, and what is written is what I read to you earlier from Jeremiah, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Your assignment this week is to boast in the Lord. Tell others. What a mighty and awesome God you have.
you say, Brother Larry, I, I don't know the Bible that well and to be able to share the scriptures and the verses. So I've told you many times, if you're saved, you just tell them the directions you took. You tell them about a Savior that came and lived a holy life. And he laid it all down for you. He died to pay your sin debt. He paid everything you owed. And then you have the opportunity, the blessing, to live for him. To live for Christ. Listen, folks, this is not a religion. This is a relationship. To live for Christ is the best life that anyone can live. I'm not telling you that as everything is going to be rosy and sweet, there's going to be hard times, you're going to be tested, and, and sometimes you're just going to be so weak, but know that He will be your strength, and He will be your joy, and He will be your peace, and He will be your everlasting Father. He will never leave you, and He will never forsake you. Never. What a Savior. What an awesome God that we have. And He loves us. We can't even imagine the love. And oh, let us love Him with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all our soul. And let's be obedient to him and let's love others. Sure, we like to love our friends. The hard thing is to love our enemies. But you know what God did? Because see, when we were in sin without him, we were in an enmity with God. We were an enemy of God. And he knew that. Yet while we were still sinners, he demonstrated his love by sending his son to die for us. And who knows? If you pray for your enemy and love your enemy, maybe your enemy will become your brother or your sister. I shared with y'all last week about the Hispanics that I seen pray in the restaurant and and uh, I went up to him, and after some language bearers, I told him that I felt like we were kin. And he looked at me like I was crazy, and and he he said, uh, you know what? And I said, well, I've seen you pray, and if you prayed God the Father, that would mean we're brothers. And he went, oh, yes, oh, yes. This week, the little lady in the Jesus is my jam shirt, I said, well, I, I'm not for sure, but I think we're kin. And she said, oh, I, I don't think so. My family's not around here. I said, well, according to your T-shirt, I said, I'm not for sure about the jam, but does that mean that Jesus is your Lord? And she said, yes. And I said, yes, so then we're kin because we have the same Father, God the Father. And she says, oh, I see what you're saying. So let our enemies become our brothers 
and our sisters. If you don't know him, if you're not for sure, if you have doubts, come today. When this invitation is given, come. Share your doubts. I will take you in the Word of God, and I'll give you the absolute truth, not from me, but from God's Word. Don't leave not knowing. No life in Christ. Father, we come and we thank you so much, God, for your Word. God, for your blessings. God, we thank you for your wisdom. And God, let us be found in Christ. There's one here today, Lord, that has doubts or just know that they're not saved. God, let your spirit call them to be reconciled to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing number.